Welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. Today, you'll hear Christine's story. Christine lost her mom, Sylvia, in 2004 to pancreatic cancer. Sylvia was larger than life, kind and welcoming. Christine is a grief support specialist. Please make sure to check out the show notes to see all of the amazing things she has to offer. Part one of my permission program will start on May 18th. Part one focuses on giving you permission to grieve in a safe place with others who have shared the same loss. Part two will begin in June and the second six weeks will be used to understand that you have permission to grow with your grief and determine who you are moving forward. You can find information about all of these things in the show notes. As always, if you are enjoying the podcast, please remember to leave a rating and review. And now, enjoy Christine's story. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Daughters Without Moms podcast. I appreciate you being here. I have with me today, Christine, and I am just so thankful for these relationships and connections that I've made online. Um, Christine found me on Facebook, and um, I graciously met her because she bought me coffee online, (laughs) and so I had never met her before, and I came upon this donation of of coffee for Daughters Without Moms, and so then I reached out to her, and we have since connected, Um, and Christine has her own journey that she's done in supporting um, Daughters Without Moms, and I'm going to let her tell you about that at the end, but We're going to start with Christine introducing herself and telling us a little bit about her story of her mom, and then I'll ask some questions, and then Christine can tell you at the end of all the places where you can find her. So thanks for being here, Christine, and welcome. Hi, Beth. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Mm -hmm. So my name is Christine Tangishaka. I am the founder of Remember Our Mothers, which is uh, the effort that I'm doing to support um, Daughters Without Moms. And so my story is, and my mom's story is, um, I'm an immigrant. I came to the United States in 1990 as a result of the Liberian Civil War. And I traveled here with my brother and without my mom. So that started a long period of years of living without my mom. She stayed back home. Um, but as we, um, as things got a little better, we were able to see her, uh, every year she came over to the States and visited us. And that was amazing and awesome. Um, and over time I finished high school in the United States and went to UMass Amherst and then, um, grad school at BU, but somewhere around, um, 2003, uh, again, just where I was settling into loving life and enjoying the relationship as adult an adult, young adult woman with my, um, mom found myself pregnant and got married to my husband all within a whirlwind period of a few months. And then in 2004, just the summer after I had seen my mom, she'd come over for her doctor's visit and had gotten a clean bill of health. Um, She went back home in June and was back here in September of 2004. On the 6th and on the 7th, my mom was gone. She went to heaven. And we found out so subsequently that um, uh, she had um, pancreatic cancer. It was, and um, somehow that had been missed or wasn't manifesting when she was here in June of that same year. And so that turned my world upside down. I am one of uh, eight siblings and I'm the baby. And so, of course, we had each other to support ourselves. And um, But it's always... 
in new worlds. You sort of have the before and the after when you lose your mother. So even though we had all gone through the death of our father back in 1985, um, this here just presented an entirely different situation of loss. And um, my mom was someone who was literally larger than life. And I know that everybody says that about their mother and that's the way it should be. But she was the kindest, most welcoming, um, most loving person you could ever imagine. She was a woman of ridiculously, unimaginably deep faith. And so we grew up with that in our lives and I was blessed to have learned to have a deep relationship with God and to have a faith walk by watching her. She was someone who, for as long as we knew her, did not have a single enemy. And that was not because there were not enemies to be had, but they simply could not make one of her. Uh, she was someone who loved you anyhow, without you, with your shortcomings, bumps, warts and all. Um, she had this deep connection with sort of, you know, her, who she was and who God had created her to be. And she poured that out into the world. And we were all so blessed and grateful to have been witness to that, really. And so since my mom um, passed, her name was Sylvia, Sylvia Scott Harmon, in 2004, and again, sort of, it devastates your world and you don't really know what to do. And I remember she passed on a Wednesday and the following Monday, again, with the toddler and not knowing what to do, I, I literally took the toddler to her sitter and I went to work because grief puts you in a place of confusion and sometimes without even recognizing it, you go back to your routines just to have some control over yourself. So I, I did that. And uh, we also need to make arrangements that would include arrangements here in the United States and then arrangements back home in West Africa. So the time that it would take, I sort of didn't know what to do with myself. And so I you know, went back to work and went back to trying to be a mom to a toddler and being a, hus a wife to my um, husband and being there for my siblings. But it gnaws at you and it puts you in a place, especially after you lose your second parent. And Beth, I know you know this well. Um, for me, it felt like a vacuum had been created and I was floating in it all by myself. Of course, again, my siblings were there and I'm certain we were all experiencing something like that. Um, but one of the best things that happened to me at that time was um, I had been a manager at my job and I knew of EAP, employee assistance. So I called them up and said, I don't know what I need, but this is what's happened. And they connected me to uh, a grief counselor. And so out of my eight siblings, I was the only one who sought that. And it was so helpful to be able to sit there and have conversations about what it was that I was experiencing um, and to articulate it plainly because we know the world has all these ideas about what it is you should or should not be going through. Um, and that, during that time, made me realize, okay, this is, this is something that's real and this is an actual place to be and go and do. And I just made a mental note of it and told you know, all my siblings, uh, everyone I could possibly find about this 
kind of thing about going and talking with someone about the grief you're experiencing and and about losing someone you love. And so over time, I saw that sort of the way I was able to um, manage how I was feeling um, flowed a little better, I think, than, you know, some of my siblings, because I think of that experience, I was able to go and take advantage of. But somewhere around um, 2017, this is now maybe 12, 13 years, and you know, you go through life. I was a young mom when my mother passed. And again, just sort of getting through the motion, had two kids after that, but somewhere around 2017, again, when you're really a mom, you know, you, you have kids of your own, that again, void and vacuum of, man, I wish that she was here to be able to, you know, help me and to experience this with me and to enjoy her grandchildren, these funny, silly, crazy, cute little human beings that you're gifted with. Um, those moments came up so frequently. And also those moments when you were told by her that you wait till you have kids. Uh, you just wait till you have kids or your child will say that to you. And you actually think, you know, people are kind of off their rocker when they say that to you. Like that wouldn't possibly be a thing <laughs> that happens. But those moments kept coming up. And even though over time, I was able to understand, you know, where I was in my journey, I understood that she was gone, I could handle that, I had my faith to secure me, I just longed so much for her in the experiences that I was having as a mom and, you know, as a person now in charge of my own home. So around 2017, I, I literally was saying, there ought to be a thing. Somebody should be doing something for adult women who have lost their moms and want to talk about it or want to get together or know that they're not alone because it's, I would speak to people, they would say, oh, I know a friend. Or, and, and it seemed particularly in, and I'll say African-American, but in African, African-American immigrant, African communities, uh, there, I, I certainly didn't encounter groups of people getting together um, around this specifically. But around that time, I started um, researching on women without their mothers. And that was what I thought it was and found out, in fact, that it's called all sorts of things, you know, motherless daughters, daughters without their moms, motherless mothers. And so um, then proceeded to realize, okay, this is something I wanted to do something about. And that's the short synopsis of sort of the story of my mom and uh, how I came into this work. But please ask me questions. Yes. So what you did was you, you you're, you're, it's called remembering our mothers. So tell me a little mm -hmm. bit about that. Like what do you do with that? So thank you. So remembering our mothers um, back in, again, 2017, when I was thinking there should be something, um, I started researching the internet and actually found out about motherless daughters. Um, that the original that was founded by Hope Edelman. So I reached out to Hope and I said, um, I know you do this thing, there, there, sh there should be a thing. And she said, oh, well, you know, there are retreats, there are luncheons that people do. And so even before I had reached out to her, I knew, I kept saying to my husband, somebody ought to do something, especially around sort of here in our community, particularly for, you know, black women to get together. And he said, it's you, you do it. I um, 
found out that um, Hope Edelman had been doing these all, there were women doing these all over the United States. And uh, she said, you know, if you plan something, I'll put it on my website and, you know, and, and let's go. This is, this is something that people are doing. So I was in the place of remembering, and that's why I called it Remember Our Mothers. I felt like around as you're, you sort of feel the swell up after March ends. And then as April is coming through, you sort of feel that yourself ticking up and you you know, may not even quite know what that is, but it's the buildup to Mother's Day. It's the buildup as the world is beginning to rev up and have these great positive messages and flowers and all these things. And your emotions are actually going the opposite direction while the world is revving up. <laughs> yep. Revving up to that. And so um, that was when uh, I planned the first Remember Our Mothers uh, gathering. And I called a gathering of daughters, adult daughters, mm -hmm. to come together and just stop to say, you know, we know we have our own families and that's awesome. And we want to enjoy what our kids have for us. That's great. But we are children too. Yeah. We, we're daughters too. And we want to remember our mothers. So that was the first event we did here at a local church and, you know, flying blind and not knowing how to really do anything of this is prayed about it and said, okay, this is the format we'll do. We'll sort of have a little bit of, a prayer will have some reflection time. Um, a good friend of mine is a dancer, a ballroom dancer. So I said, okay, we'll have someone do that, just a way to bring in something pretty and artful. And um, she also had lost her mother. So she brought that emotion to the piece. And um, and that, that was where it started. Okay. And so we had, and interestingly, I did it for my town. And there were maybe three women from my town and people from everywhere else. Okay. Some folks who had shared the invite. Um, but that was the start mm -hmm. of this work for just having women come together into a place to stop together, acknowledge each other, acknowledge our mothers, remember. And the goal is to ultimately be able to sit with the grief, talk about ways that we can work through it because, you know, you never get over it. Yeah. And then what can we take from the memory and lives of our moms because for me as a young mother there was so much rich memory and um, things I had learned that I wanted to incorporate into how I was living my life as a mother and I didn't want to forget it and then I thought my like I'm not at this point someone who's willing to make old mistakes meaning other people's old mistakes I'd rather learn from them than going back and so that was also the point for let's hear from each other what things we have high value that we can add to our lives that we can take into this walk that are supportive and you sort of turn the pain into something that's um purposeful and supportive mm -hmm. <laughs> i love that i'm going to use that not willing to make old mistakes what a great, what a great way to think about things and to, to look at life in general. Um, but earlier, you also mentioned something about, about how that the world has so many ideas of how we're, you know, supposed to process our grief or, or do the grief or, um, and it, that's what I think I really realize now, you know, you know, you've, um, we were talking a little bit before that I lost my mom when I was 13 and then my dad in 2018 and then my sister in January of 2020 before the pandemic hit. So I am the last living person in my immediate family. Um, and so I lost my sister. 
I turned 50 in March, literally the day that Pennsylvania shut down for the pandemic. And so mm-hmm. between working from home and having, you know, kids schedules different, um, I only have one child still living at home, but it gave me all the time to think about this whole um, grieving process. And it just really hit me how much we are a death denying culture. We are a death denying society. And one of the women, Kelsey, that I interviewed um, a couple of months ago, she said, you know, it's the one thing that we're guaranteed that we will all experience. We will all experience loss and death, but we do such a horrible job of facilitating that process and not even you know like you said that it's it's different for everybody everybody has a different journey it's not linear linear it's circular mm-hmm. you know it comes and goes and ebbs and flows um but that's a, that was my big aha thing that I thought you know we do a horrible job of providing space for people to grieve and yeah. I think it's because it makes people uncomfortable it is it's uncomfortable and it's hard and I did a whole podcast on platitudes too you know those mm. things that those <laughs> people say, oh man, that just, and, 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 and people are oblivious to the fact that it it's hurtful when yeah. you're knee deep in some really hard grief, that those words don't come across as they're intended. Um, but everybody just pulls to those little familiar sayings that, you know, are yeah. supposed to extend um, some sort of feeling of empathy, but they don't. <laughs> so they um, don't. All that time at home just made me made me realize just like wow we're just you know I hadn't experienced a great um, you know opportunity of of being able to grieve properly I don't know if there is a proper way you know to mm-hmm. grieve but so that's what my emphasis was to kind of you know start doing this and and sharing stories and just you know providing space for people to be able to do it and I'm amazed at how many women have told me. I've never even told the whole story from beginning mm-hmm. to end because yeah. we weren't allowed to talk about it after mom died or something of that. And I'm like, oh, that just breaks my heart. That breaks yeah. my heart because it's a part of who you are. You can't, you can't undo it. You can't change it. And it will forever be a part of who you are. And like you said, I think we were talking about this before we started recording, but you have the, you know, before mom and after mom is two yeah. separate identities. Two yeah. different, yeah, because you can't you can't go back because it's not it's not available anymore. No. Yeah. So you know, I in the, the when you said earlier, Beth, about this being a death denying culture and it being, you know, the one thing that's guaranteed, there are two two things that are guaranteed, right? You're guaranteed to be born. If you end up here, you were born. And then yes, you're guaranteed to sort of have an exit out. And if we would even just attempt to do some of the rituals and things that we do about birth around death, we'd be ahead of the game, right? Even right. just attempt, we don't have, I think it's so scary and uncomfortable and people think you have to do it sort of de novo. You just have to create new things. But in fact, no, if you even just start with, you know, all the preparations that happen around when you're expecting someone to be born. You prepare, you set aside things, you create space, you plan a, a ritual of welcome, you know, you have people come to grant well wishes and gifts. If we would just at least attempt to say, okay, you planned a time outside of the funeral for people to come and say their goodbyes, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. real goodbyes. And they they share their life wisdom. And you know, there's people may say that's what wakes up for, but we need many 
weeks mm-hmm. sometimes, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And um, so I think I also have the the two polar opposites of, so I published my podcast this morning sharing part, a portion of my journey of losing my mom, who was also pancreatic cancer, which is a horrific mm. thing to watch. And my sister in January of 2020, she actually passed away in this room, right, right, right behind me. Um, She was on hospice and they had just moved to this area, not even a year before. So they were in a little apartment, like 40 minutes away. So it it ended up being that she was here and her husband was here and her daughter was here. Her her son was in um, his senior year of college. So he Mm. wasn't, he wasn't, he had been here that Friday, but he wasn't here on that Monday. Um, But I think that they were polar opposite endings I mean it was it was to have her here and surrounded by love family family and we were just playing card games out in the kitchen and you know joking and laughing and doing doing the best we could the best we could with knowing that you know her time was coming to an end and even Mm. though we'd known she'd been battling cancer for almost 10 years like my niece and I often talked about that you're still not ready. I don't think you're mm-hmm. ever still ready for it. Um, but what different experiences I had with those two different scenarios of death that I think that's what also now I've also said to my husband, I don't know, maybe it was a midlife crisis that made me, you know, change my career path and, and change things. But it was just all these different elements of things that mm-hmm. hit you that make you go, you know, this is, these are the kind of things that are important in life. It doesn't matter yeah. if I have a thigh gap or thick eyebrows or you know what I mean all this garbage that we focus on which I have never and will never God didn't make me with thighs that have a gap (laughs) nope (laughs) they have touched I think since I was born (laughs) but I don't know there's these things that make you just have those moments that go what what am I doing what am I doing um and my I have I you were talking about that you don't have many um you know, maternal relatives left. Mm-hmm. I think you said, yeah. I actually don't have any maternal relatives yet left. And I, but I have a, two aunts and an uncle on my dad's side. Um, and they were both a little worried about me starting this process, you know, saying, mm. we're scared that you're going to be like sad all the time because you're going to be in the grief. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm not like I, and I haven't figured out what to call myself yet. Like I'm like a your grief friend or the grief advocate, or just because I feel like, like, you have to go through it. You have yes, to you allow do. yourself to experience it and name it and and feel it and 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 it's not going to be a once and done thing. It's going to no. continue to come back with the different seasons in your life. You know. Yes, it does. I was just yeah. on this podcast last week for next chapter, empty nest, about preparing for an empty nest, and often grief will return. Yes, have an empty nest. Because yeah. your mother role has changed, and so it's it never goes away. But I think you know. I know with my mom, I just like tamped it down and didn't, didn't process Well, you're 13. I mean, how do you do that? So, um, you know, it just, it, it definitely gives you a different perspective on some things, um, and makes you think about, you know, the things that are important in life and, and what I'm going to do with the second half of the life that I have here, hopefully half on earth. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) You know, when you were saying, um, not sure what to call yourself and then whether or not it was a midlife crisis to cause you to come to this work. I'll tell you something that um, Barbara Niles Lowe, she is the um, 
a program administrator and um, I'm certainly a grief specialist at the University of Wisconsin, which is the program, the training program I went through last year. I'm not a counselor or therapist or anything, but I'd, I'd like to apply to this program. And she said, Christine, if grief is on your heart and you actually have already been doing the work, you are called to it. Mm-hmm. And and that's what I would say to you that, you know, the, it's not a midlife crisis. There are pivotal, pivotal things that have happened, but you are called to this work because it takes a certain something. I don't know what that something is to be able to actually hold capacity for everything that comes with this. As you well know, we talked earlier about um, vulnerability overload, right? That was what you said. And and there are, it takes a certain something to be able to even know that that is a thing and still stand in it and figure out ways to walk through it to the other side and say, okay, let's do it again. Let me be available again. Let's share some more. Let's open up space so that those people that are on the other side thinking they're all by themselves mm-hmm. in this situation, that they're the only ones who are, are going through it because that's how you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, when in fact, there is a world of others, women, men, brothers, sisters in grief. And part of what we do is try to make sure that we connect each other. I just had a woman reach back out to me. She shared her story and she said, my brother wants to know if he can share his side of the story with you. And I'm like, absolutely. It's called Daughters Without Moms. But my thing is that every story is important. I would never turn someone who away who yeah. wants to share their story. So um yeah, there's just some sort of, some sort of, and for me, like I said, you know, with sharing my story yesterday, it, every time you say it, something new hits you a little differently, mm-hmm. or I'm at a different space in my own journey so that I can process something differently. I had a really difficult relationship with my grandparents that I shared about, and you care, I carried a lot of that stuff for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, when you look back on things um, and you say it over and over again, it all, it helps me, but I also think it also, you know, helps keep my mom's memory alive. Like you were saying about trying to do all the things that, you know, your mom was larger than life and the kindest, most welcoming woman that you knew. And those are the kind, like our world needs that. We need to know, we need to know Sylvia, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Uh Um, You know, when you get the gentleman who um, is willing to talk about his mother, I'd love to hear and to share because what I've encountered, in fact, at my first event, my brother, who had helped me, uh, planned, and I had run all the ideas by him, uh, we're in this middle of, you know, this time of sharing their candles going on and so forth. And we hear literally the building, this old Baptist church, shake, because this six foot five, you know, per- I didn't know, but he's coming up the stairs and I'm going, what is going on? And he sort of steps into the room and I go, you know, like, oh, no, this is just a woman. He goes, oh, I didn't know, you know, with his deep voice. But as he walked away, I thought, oh, my goodness, I like that. That is a thing. And there needs to be a place for that. All this time we were speaking, he just assumed he'd be there because uh-huh. we're talking about remembering your mother. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 so that that space for um sons who have lost their moms. Um, definitely is a place that um, needs to be addressed and shared. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think about that a lot because my sister had uh, two kids, uh, you know, my niece and my nephew. 
and he follows all my stuff. And I said, you know, I'm sorry. It's, it seems like it's geared towards, towards girls, but it is, it's all relevant and it's all, Absolutely. it's all just whether it speaks to the individual is, is, you know, we talked about that earlier about having, having the audience find the person that they connect with the most yes. is, is however that happens is, you know, the way it should be is the way, the way it you should know. be. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So you told me a little bit earlier about um, an analogy that you came up with in the shower that you were going to tell us about. <laughs> is this your takeaway that you're, that you're um, going to share? Well, it... no. So it's before okay. the takeaway. Okay, great. Um, but it, it was something that as I was thinking about getting ready to speak with you, Beth, um, I said, to, how do you, how do I explain how this feels? And so, uh, like I mentioned, I, I lost my mom. And then in the past three years, I lost both her older sisters who um, I specifically sought out, you know, um, after she passed for advice, you know, to run things by, because again, I was so desperately needing that place to be filled. So losing them both sort of brought it all back again. It sort of just, it felt like a whole nother strike, right? In the same place. Um, And so this morning when I was thinking about how to articulate that, I, I said, this is what I heard myself say. I feel like they, you know, the, the little tree in the forest, like a little tree that's growing up and it's planted between, you know, these great giant strong trees and they're, you know, helping it raise up, but they have strong wing uh, um, branches and boughs that go out. And so there it's protected from the, um, the heat of the sun and, you know, their, their branches swirl around to protect the little tree when the wind is really gusty and, you know, the animals can go to the other trees and not bore holes in that little tree. So it's protected. And then um, one day or somewhere over time, those big trees um, are cut down. And so the upside you could see is the little tree now has full exposure to the sun to, to grow on its own. But it's missing, you know, the, the, the communication that happens with root systems, which is where to find water and, you know, avoid going down this path is gone. And, you know, when the sun is overly hot and blazing and there's, there's nobody around, no branches to help protect it. And uh, when the wind gust comes, you have to face it all on your own. Mm-hmm. And I said, I feel like a little tree without its other parts and that just got me in the shower literally stuck in my throat and I was like ah so that that's that's the analogy and again the upside is now you have full exposure to the sun that is life-giving and life-bringing and all of that but but full exposure to the wind and all the other elements that that you enjoyed protection from for so long yeah yeah wow what a beautiful imagery. Um, someone who's creative, you need to work with someone who's creative that can can uh, do something about that. Because that I know is, that sounds like a little video. That sounds like it a video does. Like a doodle. I will definitely talk it with does. my fiber guy. Yeah, yeah. And, it's, and definitely very powerful. Um, I can totally visualize it and, and, and think about all the elements that you're talking about there. Yeah, yeah, it does stink to be a little tree all by yourself mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel you on that one yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so before we tell everybody where to find you do you did okay. you have did you have something you know a, a takeaway we've we've already established that everybody's grief journey is different yes and, you know yes. but 
If you have something, I'd love to hear it. Sure. So thank you. I think I have um, two things. It's really one, but two separate articulations. And one of them is something that has sustained me all this time. And it was the two words my mother said the most in her entire life. Everyone who ever encountered her in the course of one conversation heard it. And certainly we as her children and her family heard it all the time. And I mentioned before that she was a woman of deep faith. So one of the things I would say, and you know, folks who are not of faith can replace it with whatever is right for them, but she would say, God's there. Every single situation, when um, I got rejected from med school, when I got waitlisted at school, when you know I went to switch jobs, when XYZ thing was going wrong, before any other phrase came out, she would say, God's there. And she actually didn't even um, possess it. It was God there. And it just sort of got me to a place of, you know, it sort of pulled you down into a comfortable space and sort of let you know that you were a part of something way bigger. That's what it did for me. So I would say, if you're someone who, you know, believes in wisdom and faith and, you know, the spirit of the universe, that thing is there. And then second of all, this one can be controversial, but in the, if you pull out into the widest escape of time, even when it's happening to you, it's happening with you and for you. And that's my takeaways. And that isn't just to grief and mourning and loss, it's to practically any and every situation that we could encounter. God's there. And even when it's happening to you, it's happening with you and for you. There's a lot of wisdom in that. <laughs> There's a lot of wisdom in that, that I think um, can come from years, from years of, of thinking and, and talking and um, from what you've done so much work with your grief journey. Um, mm. Like you said, you know, you said earlier that your feelings flowed a little better. Mm -hmm. I liked that. I liked that a lot. And that to me ties right into what you're saying about that. It happens to you and with you and for you. It's all, it's all part of the flow, right? It is. Of it the is. journey. It's, it is. Mm -hmm. It's so painful to imagine, especially when you're at the start of that, it's happening to you that you cannot even fathom that ending part of it's happening for you. Mm -hmm. But eventually you get to the part where you understand it's happening with you. You are a participant, maybe a completely reluctant, hateful one, but you are nonetheless. Right. And then right. over time, you get to that realization that, again, in the widest expanse of possibility, it mm. is happening for you. Mm. But that applies to the individuals that you're loving and mourning as well. So true. So tell everybody um, on Facebook, is, your, is, is it a group? Is it a page? Remembering Our Mothers, how so they can find you. It's both a group and a page called Remembering Our Mothers. And so folks can like it, opt in. Um, and I share information on there. I share, you know, great tidbits that we have of things that um, pop into my mind or um, information from other grief support pages. Because it's a place where we can actually support each other and speak plainly. And then um, we do this program, Remember Our Mothers. Uh, we officially do one at Mother's Day. 
And hopefully we'll get back to being able to do some things outside and in person over the year. Um, I love the idea of getting out together, but we just want to be safe this year. So that's happening online. So it's again, if you just go, go to Eventbrite, remember our moms, remember our mothers, I'm sorry, um, it'll pop up and you can click in. Is donations. So if you don't have it, that's perfectly fine. Please sign up. Mm -hmm. And it's just, again, just getting us together. We have a poet who's coming to give us some um, readings about moms and this journey that we're all on. And then we have a speaker who's going to share some inspirational thoughts. And then we'll do, you know, the circle of remembrance and share time together. Um, I also, my website is also a place people can find me. And it's um, www.yourgriefspecialist.com. And that's where I'm at. Great, great. And your event is on Mother's Day? It's actually on Saturday the 8th. I always try to plan it before, and I know yours is the fourth as well, just uh, because there are so many things happening on Mother's Day that we want women to actually enjoy. Mm -hmm. um, but we try to carve up a little time so that you can do what you need to do regarding your own mom, and then you can go be a mom. Yes, that's so good. That's so good. So I will put all the, the links to all of this in the show notes. Um, okay, thank you. Um, I can publish your podcast next week. And so it will be before Mother's Day. So oh, then that'd people, be awesome. will, yeah, people will hear about it and people can um, sign up for your event on uh, May 9th. Mm -hmm. I have a question for you, Beth. So uh, what can I do for you? Well, you already told me that you prayed for me today. Which I did really, really, um, because you acknowledge the fact that I am the last, you know, living person here in my family. Um, so I am already thankful for that. Um, I, you know, the thing that I might ask for for you is just if I can continue to reach out to you as a resource, because like I said, yes. I feel like you're ahead of me of the game in this. So, you know, I'm always just looking, you know, I love to learn. Um, and continue to grow myself. So if I can just, you know, continue to reach out to you as a resource and maintain Absol the relationship. Absolutely. So I think we mentioned before we started recording that, that unfortunately in the world that we're in, there are far too many people grieving for there to be any concerns about niches. So of course, yes, please. And I will share your events as well, because again, as widely and as broadly as those who need us can find us. Right. Is yeah. the point here. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. You're the Thank first you person so to ask me Thank you so much for inviting me. Yes. Well, um, it was, this was a pleasure. It was great to meet you. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in being interviewed for a podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.